Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Try Faster podcast presented by the Fort Worth Tri Club. My name is Michael, and I'm joined by my coach and friend, Keith Potar. How are we doing, Keith? Pretty good, Michael. How are you? Doing really well. We are right now about a three days away from New Year's Eve. In our last podcast, we talked about goals, goal setting. Um, so if you haven't got a chance to listen to that and you're thinking about, hey, how do I set my goals and what would SMART goals be, make sure to check that podcast out. Um, and in today's podcast, we're going to be diving a little bit deeper into, since we're only three days out from the new year, uh, a little bit of a year in review. Um, what did we personally think went well about our years? What did we think about the professional race series and everything that went well over there? Uh, but more importantly, perhaps we're going to be talking about speed. Uh, since this is also the time that many of us triathletes are in the off season, we're going to keep building on our off season training talk and diving further into what is speed, what are the purposes of speed in your training, uh, how to incorporate it, and, and what do you need to consider if you're a first-time athlete or a newer athlete in the triathlon and you've never really incorporated any sort of speed training in your off-season. Uh, we're going to help hopefully provide some guidance for how you can successfully implement that and let you know what we feel the benefits are to your training overall. Uh, but before we jump into those details, um, just like we do every single podcast, we want to give a quick training update individually. So for that, Keith, what's been going on in your training? Uh, it's been it's been pretty good. I think about the same updates as as last time, just a little bit more consistency. And uh, been on the road a little bit, so missed a couple of days here and there. But it's been it's been pretty good. I uh, I got into a five k race on Christmas Eve. And that went pretty well. It was the first race in the uh, the new shoes, the new Asics that we talked about last time. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know that I got a lot of uh, good data as far as speed, but I did at least I was able to conduct a reasonable power test and kind of see where I am right now. Um, the race was kind of on this windy trail through some trees. It was paved, but it was kind of windy with some coverage. I don't think the GPS was quite right. And then uh, somebody forgot to put the U-turn sign out. So we ended up running a little bit far so we don't know exactly how far it was but uh so the time kind of goes out the window but uh it was a good race yeah the christmas 6k love it yeah that's about <laughs> it was it was at least three and a quarter i think yeah, uh that's, so it wasn't great it was, yeah it was pretty fun it made it a little interesting it was me and, and one other guy racing pretty closely for most of the most of the race and then i was kind of ready to make a move at about two and a half miles, but I didn't know how much was left. So I was kind of hoping that he died before I had to make a move because uh, I didn't know where I was running after that. Um, but it was pretty good. I, I was able to, to hold him off by a few seconds and feel like the, the fitness is coming around. So Awesome. So how did the numbers look on the power test? So I averaged 378 watts, which is the most that I've done for a 5K. Um, but kind of based on the pace, as far as what I could see, um, I think I'm, I'm, a, I'm a few pounds heavier than when I'm normally in, in, in good racing shape. And so you can tell because it doesn't quite translate um, to what I would expect. But that's, it gives me an idea. Power, though. So, yeah, I mean, we were there. There were some sections. I did another track workout the other day and, and running 400s at about 445 pace was about 400, 410 watts um, yeah. on the run. So for me, that's that's pretty good it's high um and now i've got a baseline i'm doing a half marathon in 17 days so now i kind of have an idea of what power i can run out there for you know a little over an hour cool. well we look forward to hearing about that half marathon here in a couple of weeks um 
on my end, training's been going really well. Um, and, and more or less, I just kind of want to share one quick thing. And that's just my experience with one of the key tempo workouts that you put on my calendar last weekend, uh, like two days after the Christmas holiday. Um, I've been doing a lot of work standing on ladders and um, around the house. So I was getting into the tempo workout. And just like I texted you, it was like it was five one mile efforts with, with less than or one minute of rest between um, and running at what I would consider my marathon pace of so 650. And about through the second interval, uh, well, the first interval, my foot was just very, very tight. It was sore, it was painful took that quick one minute rest, picked up on the second interval and just continue to feel the tightness in my foot. So I actually decided to pull the plug on that workout just to give my body a little bit of rest and texted you and said, Hey, let's get back to this because I felt like that workout was doable. I was just kind of being hampered or pulled back because of some strain in my body from other life events that were going on. And, you know, we went back to that workout on Tuesday and went through it pretty well, minus a little bit of GI distress, but overall pretty well. And the pace again felt comfortable. Uh, and I wanted to kind of present that and, and get your opinion on it. Cause when I went back to that workout and I, I wanted to do it a second time, uh, I didn't want to stop the first time I was doing it, but what was going on in my head is like, Hey, if I keep pushing myself, it's tighter here on the second one. It's going to continue to get tight and painful. Um, I I felt like I needed to stop. Like it's good to be gritty, but grit to a certain degree becomes stupidity. Uh, and I felt like, I don't know if I was quite to stupidity yet. I probably could have pushed it if I really had to, but I just didn't feel like I needed to. And if I, like, I think it was the right call. I don't know how you like guide your athletes from that perspective, but I think I was just kind of leaning on my overall experience with that. I don't know what your yeah, thoughts are. I'm kind of pulling the plug. I think that was probably the good decision. You know, it's, it's one of those things sometimes when you're, if it's a, if it's a, a pain and it's actually something that's a, an acute hindrance, then I think pulling the plug is the right decision. It's one of those things when you're feeling really bad, that's when it, you know, if you're just off, those are the days where it's a little bit more gray as far as if you want to stop or keep going, because also, you know, if you're just having a bad day, it happens. And sometimes if you decide to stop, you know, you can't stop on race day if you're not feeling good. So there are some days when we're feeling bad and we kind of just need to work through that, that down day. But then sometimes if it's uh, something that you're worried about could actually cause a problem that that's, it's probably a good sign. And then we, uh, we gave it another shot a couple of days later. Yeah, it went well. So yeah, I appreciate that feedback. Um, I guess there's a difference to, Hey, when you need to be gritty and push through and have the mental toughness to get through things versus when you need to decide, Hey, this is this today, this isn't the right battle, um, lose the battle, win the war, come back to it a couple of days later. And that was really the right call. So glad that, glad that we took that approach there. Glad that you put the same workout on my calendar two days later, because I really wanted to do it. I really like running at marathon pace haven't done enough of that lately in the off season training, but I really like it. Yeah. And it's still early. And, and that's another thing too, about uh, rescheduling the workout is we don't always do that, but I feel like at this time of year, if it's a, if it's a workout that kind of relates to what your end goal is, we might as well skip maybe another workout um, that's maybe less, less specific or less important than go ahead and, and try to try again instead of just moving on. Yeah. Awesome. Um, well, let's, let's push forward and talk about speed. This is something we've talked about multiple times in prior conversations, podcasts, 
Uh, I've shared with you that speed workouts, especially runs, short one, short runs, really just tear up my own legs. I'm not that accustomed to speed. So let's get into a conversation about it. I'm going to approach this like, hey, I don't really know much other than it probably helps get me faster. I need to do more of it. Um, but you're the coach. You're giving me these workouts. Let's kind of start with the basic basics because I bet a lot of people, even though we think we, hey, this is hey, speed, go out there, sprint, go really, really hard for a short period of time. We feel like we know what it is, um, but there's probably a whole lot there that we don't know. So let's right to the basics, Keith. What is speed? So I think before we really define speed, we, we've got to talk about what people think speed is. You know, I think when, when you talk to a triathlete and they're saying they're doing speed work, lots of times they're really doing things at 5K pace or 10K pace or something like that that's just faster than you know, the common triathlete training for long course, you know, to them, speed is anything that's really faster than their half Ironman. Mm -hmm. And I think that in the, the speed world, really what we're looking at is something that's really only a few seconds. So even when we get to a hundred meters, we're starting to change energy systems, unless you're, you know, Usain Bolt and you're going to run it in nine seconds. You know, we're, we're using several energy systems. It becomes slightly aerobic toward the end. And so we're, Generally, speed for me is something that's eight seconds or less, and it's as fast as you can go. And so, I think one of the one of the common misconceptions too is that, you know, we we hear especially kind of in the '90s there was a, a mislabel of what an anaerobic workout is, and a lot of people would classify like doing 200s really fast with 20 or 30 seconds rest and you're not recovered as being an anaerobic workout, but in actuality, those were really, really highly aerobic workouts. And they were actually the opposite of anaerobic workouts because you're working at this really, really high level and you don't recover enough. And so, you know, anaerobic by definition is without oxygen, right? And so you need lots of oxygen to be able to run really fast, you know, short distances even, but if there's not much rest, then it becomes an aerobic workout. And so Speed is something where you go really fast and then we have lots of recovery in between. Yeah. So if I'm doing a speed workout, do I need to think about it in terms of like, I'm just going max effort. It's a sprint. Right. Yeah. In pretty much every instance. Um, yeah. And if we start to, if we start to push past that, Oh, it's just, it's a little bit off a sprint. Well, that is that a sign that I'm going to aerobic. Right. And you're, or you're not getting the full, you know, benefit of, of the speed, right? Cause if we're just going 95%, we might not quite be going fast enough to really get, get all of your fast switch fibers moving. Right. And so we want to be using, utilizing our top end and kind of increasing that top end speed when we're doing our, our workouts. Okay. So you, you mentioned Usain Bolt, he might go nine seconds. He can do it all highly anaerobically. Do we all kind of have the same parameters with what is an anaerobic speed effort sprint effort like are we the right. same you're 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 a former pro and i'm like a middle of the pack age group are we kind of in the same realm or are you further yes. developed in this front yeah no you're you're probably looking at somewhere between six and ten seconds before you start to change energy systems everyone is going to be really close together interesting um and then do we do speed in all the workout and all the disciplines in triathlon is this something that's in, important to incorporate for yes. sun bike run I, th I think you do it in all three um i think the biggest purpose for it is is technique um especially swimming and running you know i know that some people say there's not a lot of technique involved in cycling but 
I think there still is when you're trying to go really, really fast. You know, there's that element of needing to move your legs over pedal and circles, you know, to make sure that you can go as fast as you can. And so it's important to do it in all three sports. And, and we touched on this a little bit in our base training episode. But if you're in the pool, you know, the only way to really swim fast is to swim with good technique. And so going as fast as you can kind of forces you to find that spot. And maybe, you know, when you get to your good technique, it's not something that you can necessarily maintain, but then you get an idea of what that feels like. So when you slow down, you can find a way to decrease the effort, but maintain that, that proper technique and body position. And we see that a lot in the run too. You know, in order to run fast, you've got to be running well. You're not going to be kind of leaning back and, you know, your arms aren't going to be quite as crazy. You're going to be more straight line, forward, backward, a little less side to side. And so I think the technical part is probably the the most important factor. And that's why we should do it in all three sports. Okay. Any other factors that we need to think about? Is like, is it just technique? Because if my if my legs and quads are burning that badly after a workout and I'm only doing this for technique, I'll be honest, I might never do those again. Like there has to be more than just technique here, right? Right. Yeah. And, and, and I think a lot of it too is, is increasing your top end speed. And so, you know, for someone like me, I don't, I don't really have a lot of natural speed. I can get out sprinted by some of the 10 or 12 year olds on our, on our tri team, but, you know, put a race past 30 or 40 meters and, and I've got a chance again because it just takes me a while to get rolling. Um, and so I think it's good for all of us just to be, be able to go a little bit faster and see what it's like to move, you know, a little bit more quickly, um, in any of the sports and that, then there's a big benefit to that because then you're, when you're racing, you're working at a much lower capacity than you're capable of, you know, and I know that there's between, there's a difference between, you know, your absolute max ability and then maybe what, like your threshold, because people always want to compare to your threshold, but I think that there's still it makes your threshold efforts feel more comfortable if there's a bigger gap between what you're actually capable of, right? If your max power on the bike is seven or 800 Watts, but you're trying to race at 300, you know, whereas, you know, if your max power is five or 600 Watts, then you're, you're just a lot closer and it feels like you're going harder. And so I think that's a big, like- a big part of it. I feel like I feel that and I, we talk too much or I've mentioned it too often, but like Zwift racing. So I was doing a Zwift race yesterday. It wasn't on the calendar, but I did it anyway. Uh, I didn't mean to, I was going to take it easy. He told me to take it easy, but I got in a race and sometimes like, you know, there's going to be these points where you're going to have to sprint to stay with the group or it's going to get strung out. Uh, and it's, it's interesting how, like if I was just going to be riding along at 250 Watts, for an hour which is kind of i think where the race average ended for about the hour that would kind of become oh that would beat my legs up maybe maybe my mind more than my legs but like those 10 second little sprint efforts that i know are going to happen in the race like hey i'm going to ramp it up six or seven hundred watts here for 10 seconds just to make sure i stay in this pack once we come back down and settle 240 250 it just feels a little easier Right. I don't like, I don't know. It's not like, it's not that it actually is. It just feels easier because I was just a minute ago sitting at six or 700 Watts for a while. Right. And, and, and that's kind of, I think that's something that everybody needs. And you might say, you know, in a race, if I'm doing an Ironman, you know, a lot of people will say, I'm never really going to change. I'm just going to sit at this one pace, right. The whole time. 
But I think there are always times in races where something happens that kind of makes you change, you know, um, whether you're um, kind of countering, countering somebody, if somebody passes you and you're trying to stay with them, um, or if even going up a hill, right, we might not be trying to accelerate, but some, there are some hills out there where you're going to increase the effort quite a bit, right, just because they're steep enough or long enough. And you've got to be able to come back down to your race pace and you've got to be able to push, you know, whatever numbers you need to. Um, as comfortably as you can so that it doesn't kill your whole race. Uh, because doing a quarter mile climb that's at, you know, six or 8%, that shouldn't end your day. You should be able to lift the pace a little bit, you know, for that minute or whatever, and then and kind of settle back in. Um, but we all get into those, those times where maybe you're passing somebody in a race, you know, because non-drafting triathlons, you could have several people that you need to pass at the same time, and you're going to have to put in a big surge and and get around in um, the beginning of the race, especially, you know, in the swim, uh, trying to find a good spot, you know, get with some people, you know, if somebody's going past you, you have a chance to get into their draft, being able to accelerate a little bit to kind of get into a group, like you just said, like in your Zwift race, and just be able to accelerate and then kind of come back down. And that's something you work into your training that's maybe a little bit different than pure speed, but it does show us the, you know, the realistic reasons of why we need to be a little bit faster than than our race pace yeah I, like speaking from my own experience i feel as a you know an age group athlete uh, i've been doing triathlon for 13 plus years most of the time i've been doing triathlon speed probably wasn't that important i probably could have benefited from it but i definitely didn't counter moves i didn't try to bridge up to any sort of I, it was me and my own race i was in my own head but i even then you're completely right there were definitely times in a race where i just hit a hill um and maybe i walked it walked up the hill if i was running or i would be just grinding to a halt if i was on my bike and having perhaps a little bit more speed would have helped but now that i i'm gaining a little bit more fitness i'm getting a little bit better at this it's taking some time i definitely start to feel like I want to counter different moves. Uh, and when we were in St. George this last September, the best example of that is it was probably in the swim. I was very in my own world on the bike and holding my own power and on the run kind of similarly, but in the swim I had the best one I've had in a couple of years. And it was because, well, one, the water was really clear. I could see people coming up and where everyone was at. And I was like, I, and Hey, this person's coming up. I can see him a little bit behind me off my shoulder. I'm going to jump onto their feet, make sure that I stick with them as long as I can and get the draft. Uh, and, and I think that that's a real example of how a little bit of speed can set you up to have a better race overall, maybe even use less energy in a triathlon. We really only have one sport where we're allowed to draft. Um, but, but a real example of where it helped out. Yeah, so. no, that, that makes sense. And I think the other part about speed too, is that you don't need to make it the focus all the time because it is, you know, triathlon is, is an extremely aerobic sport, right? More than 99% of your race, you're just kind of in this aerobic steady zone, you know, unless you're racing a sprint or, you know, you're kind of in elite level racing the Olympic distance, you know, even at least like a local elite level Olympic distance, you're still, you're going pretty hard. But I think for, for most people, they're, they're going to be fairly steady efforts. And so don't, uh, don't ditch your normal training to add, you know, lots of speed workouts. But I think that speed is something that we need to make sure that we're considering on a regular basis. Okay. 
So let's let's get into some more details then. How do we do that? Because before you started providing all my plans and, and the coaching, I really didn't incorporate much speed. And when I did, it was definitely 30 seconds, maybe even up to a minute. So probably even pushing well out beyond what is a traditional speed effort. Uh, but how do we do that? Um, and give us details on what, what we can do to be successful. So I, I really like to incorporate speed a little bit more than the, the early part of the season. So right now during the off season, you know, um, some of the athletes I have that are training for spring Ironmans, they might already be past the the point of the year where we're putting lots of speed in. Um, my short course athletes, we do a lot of speed in, in one sport or another, at least a little bit, a few seconds every day, you know, because it's one of those things where if you do four, eight second sprints, it's really not going to do a whole lot as far as um, any sort of fatigue the next day. It's not going to really hurt your workouts later in the week, but it gets you some of that that speed and the turnover, no matter what sport you're in. And, and so we do it a little bit more right now. Um, you know, I think maybe periodization is a, an episode for another day. Um, but we had mentioned the funnel periodization back in the, the base training episode. And so at, at this point in the year, most people are probably doing a little bit more endurance type work. And so I think to counter that we do speed at the very, very top end. So if we're doing a lot of easy to steady type work, you know, some of our sessions will just do max effort in, in in one sport or the other, and I think at least once a week in each sport. And so, you know, the other part of that too is we need to make sure that we also continue to incorporate it later, because if you do a bunch of sprints now but you never do anything, you know, when we get farther along into the season, it's probably going to disappear when you start doing your Ironman and seventy point three specific work. And so, it's not something that we need to dose a lot but maybe one sport a week, you do a little bit in one of your sessions, um, depending on the type of athlete that you are. And so I just kind of sprinkle it in so your body remembers what it's like. So here's my question for this is like, and I'm asking because I'm thinking like cycling and in cycling, I believe the training plans come up. Like you do your sprinting lat, like you're trying to put the final touches onto your training get ready for a race. But um, your perspective here for triathlon is, hey, let's incorporate it early and then pull back. Why would there be the difference in a triathlon coaching structure and a, I guess, cycling coaching structure and how they approach speed and when they incorporate it? So I think for if you are training specifically for cycling, especially <laughs> in the United States, where most of our races are criteriums, you need the speed in the race a lot more commonly than we do in triathlon. Right. Cause like we just said, most of your race is steady. Whereas a cyclist is trying to, to make those moves to get away or to sprint to the finish, depending on, you know, what type of race you're in and what type of athlete you are. And so I think for us in triathlon, that's a little bit different is we want to kind of build that speed in the beginning. And so that we've got it as we get more specific and then the specific workouts kind of feel a little bit easier because they're not at that top level. And so, you know, like, like the, we, we had talked to the base episode, um, the funnel, right. You're kind of way, way below your race pace or you're way, way above your race pace. And then as we get closer to the race, those easier endurance efforts kind of become a little bit more steady and they kind of climb toward race pace. And then our big speed workouts kind of come backwards and, and kind of they're more in your VO two range. And then they slowly come down toward your race pace until they, they meet. And then we're very specific in the last block of training right before your, your key event. 
Interesting. Yeah, I, I think that's helpful and all all very beneficial for for athletes in general. But like one question I have is because not everyone has a a coach key in their corner. Uh, like I'm lucky enough to have have you in my corner here. But what would you say an athlete that's new into this? Like, are there any, is there any special considerations that they need to have getting into this for the first time that they like should be cautious of? I guess. Yeah, I, there are a few things, and I I think that. Um, you know, like I'm, like I mentioned before, you don't have to make an entire workout about speed, but I think it's something that you can just incorporate into one of your endurance workouts. And so, you know, a lot of runners, they'll do strides at the end of a workout. And sometimes I'll have my, my athletes do that too, where they'll just finish a workout with four to six strides, you know, 50 meters kind of building up to a really fast, you know, last 20 or 30 meters. But something else that I like to do is sometimes we put them in the middle so if you've got just an easy aerobic run, 45, 50 minutes, something like that, um, I'll have people do it in the middle. And then what you get from that is the technique from running fast. And then you've got that kind of ingrained from doing a few strides. And then you can try to maintain that technique the second half. It kind of jolts your body into thinking about, about good technique. And we do that a lot in the swim too. You know, in the warm up, we'll kind of build toward some fast swimming and then we'll do some swims at you know, 95%, which is like we said earlier, isn't quite the maximal effort, but it kind of gets you thinking about technique. It forces you to, to move through the water the right way. And, and so I think if you're new, you know, if you want to do a speed session, you know, if you're doing 60 or 80 meter sprints on the track or something like that, you know, work your way into it, make sure you're warm. Um, you know, I know a lot of age groupers don't necessarily have the time maybe for a 25 or 30 minute warm up, but if you do have the time, make sure you're warm and you're ready. You know, for some of my athletes, if we, if I don't know that they have time, I'll kind of build a shorter warm up, and then maybe we'll do, instead of doing six or eight sprints, maybe we'll do eight or 10, but really only with the goal of getting six to eight good ones. So we can spend the first four kind of going 80%, 85% and just warm the legs up, make sure we're there. And then the last few are good ones. You know, maybe the last four are, are really fast and we've kind of gotten a rhythm and so I think that's the biggest thing is to just watch out for the injury risk, especially in the run. I think that's where you're the most susceptible to having some sort of injury. Generally, you know, I mean, if you're sprinting on the bike and you're out on the open road, there's always that inherent risk. Um, so if you're trying to go really, really hard on the bike, this might be safer on the trainer. Um, however, there is a benefit to being able to get up and stand and sprint too, I think. And so that's, yeah. that's probably easier done outside. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's all, all very helpful. Um, and one thing that, that always kind of crosses my mind, Keith, is because with all the, you know, you're incorporating some sprints into my own training plan. I'm seeing them more frequently. Um, you know, I guess the one, one thing of advice that you've kind of provided is to, Hey, start slow if you're new to this. Um, but what else I, another thing I see on my own program is that you, you're incorporating strength training and some conditioning types of exercises should, should people be doing those for speed? Are those beneficial or is that kind of going back to form and technique? I, I think you can, I think the strength training can help you improve your speed, but we, it's gotta be kind of a higher weight, lower rep to kind of increase mm -hmm. your, your power. And maybe this is another training misconception. I think a lot of people have is that if you're moving heavy weight, that's how you get bigger. And, you know, lots of endurance athletes are scared of that, but in actuality, high weight, low rep is how you get stronger without getting bigger. And because in the weightlifting world, really 
I think when, when you and I were kids, the, the high rep kind of um, lifting was what people thought was like 15 or 20, you know, lots and lots of reps. Mm-hmm. And that's actually how you get bigger. But the, in the weightlifting world, high reps is really like 8 to 12. And so that's where you get the size from is that continuous breakdown. And so if you want to get really, really strong, you know, safely find, you know, an exercise where you can do two or three maximal effort reps and then you're done. And and that's a good way to improve speed also. Is you it know, just, hey, for running, do, do squats? Are there certain things that you like to prescribe? For, for so my goal is my goal for, for strength training is always to kind of get athletes to move toward some sort of ballistic exercises. So we're doing yeah. plyometric strength training. And so I like to start with kind of the common exercises that everybody is comfortable with. Um, you know, lots of times we'll do that for a year or maybe even two years and then kind of move toward where we add a little bit of plyo exercise here and there, and it'll be something basic. And maybe it's just one plyometric exercise for a few months. And then we add a second one and, and the goal is to be mostly plyo at some point. Yeah. I think like, seriously though, if you're an athlete out there, whether you're self-coached, have a coach, I think you have to have some level of conditioning and strength in your training program. If you don't, you're probably, you're not an all around efficient athlete. You can be more efficient. And the easiest way to get there is to, to incorporate some of that. I wasn't very good about doing that uh, in prior years. And, and definitely Keith, you put it on the calendar for me. It's helped a ton. Uh, and I think that includes core work too, right? Like core, let, you know, everything from, from the core down glutes, hamstrings, quads. Um, but yeah, definitely don't forget about the core and everything and, and how your body is so interconnected. Um, if you can kind of do one legged exercises and things related to balance, I think that's huge. Um, and pretty much, pretty much everyone can benefit from that as long as you can, can get the time to incorporate it into your training. Right. And, and time is, is the essential thing there. This will be my controversial statement for the week, but lots of coaches, you know, they'll say, you know, so I've heard a lot of coaches say, if you don't have time, cut your, your swim bike run workout and make sure you do your strength training uh, i'm not the the person that agrees with that you know maybe if you've got some sort of easy shakeout run in the evening cut that and do the strength training but you are essentially a triathlete in the end and yeah. we need to swim bike and run uh, so let me ask this because maybe maybe you're bringing this up like shots fired i don't know keith like because i've been doing that a little bit in my own training like if you give me an easy workout uh, 60 minutes, I'll take 10 or 15 minutes off the back to make sure I have time to do core or some other sort of conditioning work. I think that's the wrong approach. I I think just don't, don't skip your other workouts. You know, if you, if you've got that kind of time, if you have an hour and you're saying, okay, I'm going to split it 45, 15, that's a little bit better. Um, and I know there are so many coaches that strength training is the thing, but, uh, Christian Blumenfeld was on another podcast, um, just a few weeks ago and, and he was asked how often do you strength training? He said, never. And I, really? I thank, I thank him for saying that because he trains 30 hours a week and none of it is strength training. Uh, just because, wow. um, so many of your primary muscles actually are engaged more during our three sports than they are in strength exercises. You know, there's, you would think that, you know, a, an ab centric workout, like some sort of crunches or sit-ups or plank or something like that would engage your core more than anything else. And there's been a lot of studies lately that running actually engages your abs more than ab focused strength training exercises. All right. 
that that can't be true um <laughs> you, need, you need to my, so my wife it does the peloton uh app and all those workouts this is funny um, but so but that's how i do my ads i, I load up like a 10 minute class on there and, and like and you could and, and what i think is so great about it is like you do a different class every day and you get different movements that are like activating different parts of your core um so right. it's not hey i'm just going to sit down and do five minutes of crunches uh you're going to be doing so many different ab workouts throughout throughout each and every single course uh, but that gets your app that gets my abs fired up there's not there's nothing swimming biking and running doesn't do that i'm sure there's not always a hundred percent translation to swim bike run but i have to think that that's more beneficial this is very interesting though yeah and and i think laterally there's there's a big benefit to doing some of those things because we don't hit that quite the same way but you know yesterday i swam 3100s in the pool so that means i did 90 sit-ups right because i flipped her 90 times so you know that's it it's the same i just engaged my core by flipping hips hamstrings um you know glutes abs lower back it all just happens in that flip turn i did 90 of them yesterday so okay you know uh you can you can hit it here and there but i i do think the the lateral part is the part that we don't really get to um did christian say that he does no strength training including no core strength and conditioning i have yeah, to imagine he's doing core and conditioning though right I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you know, if you listen to to Joel Filial's podcast too, uh, back a few years ago, he said that strength training and stretching are both wastes of time. <laughs> well, dang, man, that's that's some serious um, things to take under consideration. But I, I I like cutting off an easy workout. I would never cut key workouts, key intervals, or skip a workout just because I think conditioning is more important. That's how I approach it. But if I'm looking at it and saying, Hey, I have an hour today and I can, even if it, maybe it's a key workout, but if I can trim five minutes off the front warm up and five minutes off the cool down, and that gives me enough time to incorporate a 10 minute, uh, core conditioning course on top of my normal workout. That's typically how that's typically what I decide to do. So if that's why, if you're ever wondering why my workouts are always a little shorter than you prescribe, that's because I'm trying to. Yeah, no, and that, and, and that makes sense. I just I think that uh, there's an overemphasis sometimes on the strength training, and, and the to me strength training more than just getting strong. And maybe this is a, a topic for an entire episode at some point. But the the best part of strength training is that you start producing all the anabolic hormones that help you recover from your other workouts. Mm-hmm. So it's it's more that even than the strength building. So maybe going and doing ten or fifteen minutes of strength will help your recovery in total more than the, the extra 15 minutes of running or cycling or something. Yeah. This has been a really good tangent from what we were talking about uh, speed yeah. earlier. So yeah. let's pull this back to speed. Yep. <laughs> Is there anything else you need to tell us or want to share with us about speed? I think you really helped a lot. At least me understand kind of the what and the why. Um, if not, like maybe you can give us a, a workout. We, we like to do a weekly workout on here. So like maybe a weekly workout that incorporates speed that those, um, that are listening can go out and give a shot if they haven't done speed before. Okay. Yeah. And I, I think I'm going to give two, I'm going to give one on the, one on the run and, and one in the swim. And so, uh, for your swim, next time you're, you're in the pool, you know, if you've got kind of a longer monotonous set, you know, like I just said, like 3100s. Just uh, break it up, you know, break it into smaller chunks and maybe you do four to six 100s at a time. 
And then between each four or six, you know, every set, take four 25s and go as fast as you can. Take 20, 30 seconds rest more if you need it. And then go back and get back into the set and just see what happens to your swimming. Because when you spend that time swimming really fast, you get just a better feel for the water. You kind of get on top of the water. And then when you slow down, try to just mimic that body position. Um, if you're a person that swims with an eeny buoy, go ahead and fill up both chambers of the eeny buoy, swim a couple 25s between all of your sets of hundreds and just feel that body position. And it's a, it's amazing. It feels like you're swimming downhill when you take that buoy out. So give that a try. Just kind of break up your workout, throw some fast 25s in the middle. Um, or even they don't even need to be 25s, especially if you're, you know, if swimming is a bigger weakness and you're swimming maybe longer than two minutes per hundred, then 25 might not be a sprint anymore. So maybe you just take 12 strokes really fast and then swim the rest of the way easy. That way you're getting that maximal effort because if you're a slightly slower swimmer, then, you know, you're, you're kind of moving past that range. If it's taking you 25, 30 seconds to get across the pool, we want it to be just a few seconds of just as fast as you can go. Um, and then on the run, uh, just get a, get a good warm up. make sure you kind of get through some drills and, and get loose and then go ahead and do eight by 60. And I like to do that with our athletes. We take a 740 meters jog in between if we do this on the track. So we'll run a 60 and then we'll run an entire lap of the track and then almost a, another lap to get back to the starting line and we'll do it again. And the reason for that is just to make sure that your body is kind of flushed everything out in your back and reset again in time for the next one. So don't rush your speed sessions. That's the, I think that's the number one thing is that when people do it too close together, you know, you don't want to be, uh, you don't want your, if you're doing 60 meter sprints, you don't want them to get harder because of fatigue. You just want them to be hard. You want to go ahead and, and take plenty of time in between so you can run all of them as hard as you can. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good workout. Everybody be very careful. Eight by 60. That's what's done my legs in multiple times over the last couple months. So, um, definitely, uh, if I had to give any bit of advice, I would just reiterate what you, what you said, Keith is like, make sure you're taking those rest intervals every second of them because you're breathing, your heart rate and everything will come back down way before that rest interval is over. And you're like, well, why am I, why am I going to continue to drag this on? Um, but, but your legs really need that so that you can get the most out of those maximal effort sprints that you're trying to get out of them. So yeah, that's a really and good that, workout. Be careful though. <laughs> yeah. And, and not just your legs, but you know, these, uh, workouts like this really do hit your central nervous system. And that's, yeah. that's something that's really interesting is that you might not have any muscular fatigue the next day or two, but you might feel a little bit off. Um, and that's because your CNS is just kind of shocked, especially the first couple of times. So make sure that, you know, your, your body's kind of back in, into normal before you do it again. Awesome. All right. So, um, before we jump into kind of the 2021 highlights, we have one question. If you want to submit a question to Keith and I, um, you can do that, reach out to either one of us via Instagram or posting a picture, throw your question in it with the hashtag try faster podcast. Uh, the question we have this week, uh, Keith, I'll turn it over to you first is what is one thing you are doing different in 2022? I'm only working one job in 2022 and I think that's going to help me train a lot better. <laughs> so, um, I've been kind of, uh, I've been working a few too many jobs. I think no more teaching it 
and and we've touched on that before in in prior episodes but uh just being a full-time triathlon coach uh, i think that's going to be a pretty big adjustment for my training just because i have time to to get out and and get some exercise awesome yeah that's that's a major change um and i'm very excited for you keith on my end this is much smaller um so so no major life changes but I got a BOSU ball for Christmas and I want to have better balance. So maybe this is another conversation we can incorporate into strength and conditioning, but like, I think balance is important. And, and I've been through PT multiple times and they almost every single time I've been there, they put me on the BOSU ball and I am terrible at any sort of exercise that they have me do on that thing. So I have one now of my own and I'm going to get much better at it. Literally right now, just starting with standing on it with one foot. Um, and then progressing through some different workouts. But I think it's it's helpful, especially with the focus I'm going to be having on running, just kind of coordinating and strengthening foot, ankle, and lower leg muscles um, is part of injury prevention. I, I just think there's a lot of benefits to it. So I want to have better balance, better strengthen my balance muscles. Does that, that make sense? Weird. I don't know, balance muscles. That's the first time that, that's yeah. ever been used. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's a, that's a good goal for, for 22. Yeah. Okay. Um, so let's now push it over into 2021. Um, I know we're kind of looking forward, but before we dive all the way into the new year, let's, let's kind of review some highlights. Um, maybe give out a couple of awards for the past year. And we've, we've kind of, what we've done here is provided a little bit of a list, right? So since we don't have any news this week to talk about racing has been non-existent over the last couple of years, we decided we would um, make up some categories and have a quick conversation on each one of them. Uh, and you know, if you have different opinions, again, feel free to reach out. We'd ha- we're happy to hear your takes on these. Um, but kind of the first award or highlight we wanted to go through is best athlete. And we've broken this apart into short course and long course. I'm not as much the expert on the short course, um, but it was an exciting year. We had the Olympics going on. Keith, I know you were into all of that. What, what are your best athlete awards uh, on the short course side of things? So on the uh, the women's side, I think the best athlete this year was pretty easy. It was Flora Duffy. She got in the breakaway on the bike at the Olympics and, and won the gold medal that she's really been kind of working towards for a long time. She's just been moving up the last four Olympics, you know, a few spots every time. And, and I think it was expected for her to win. And she came through. And sometimes that's the hardest way to win is when you're expected to win. Right. And so uh, I thought that was a great, great performance for her to get the gold medal. Um, and and the world title and then uh, on the the men's side too christian blumenfeld easily short course athlete of the year he won the world championship he won the olympics and uh so just great races for both of them how about you are you uh do you have an opinion on the short course i really don't i i wish i watched more of it or had the time i don't pay as much attention on the short course side of things uh interesting though that you bring up christian blumenfeld because when like let's flip over to the long course for for a second it's is there an athlete that you'd pick beside christian blumenthal for kind of best athlete of the year like i know I arguments mean, could be made for jan arguments could probably be made for lionel since he raced so much sam because he improved so much uh gustav eden because he battled lionel in florida in his first Ironman. but like who who's your long course athlete of the year it's gustav for sure i know that christian had the amazing Ironman, but I feel like that if you add some time to Christian's swim for how easy it was, and if you take some time off Gustav's swim for how hard it was, they would have been really, really close. And 
you know, you add in that Gustav just destroyed everybody at 70.3 Worlds. I think that that kind of seals it for him. I know he only raced twice. I think that Lionel is definitely a contender for this. He's probably my honorable mention because he raced so many times and got so much better. But I think that Gustav just was so good that it's it's hard to not not take him. It's really hard not to take him just for the sake of it. I'll make the argument for Lionel, right? He did race a lot. He started at the beginning of the year doing sprints. Well, pretty much just locally. Did an Olympic, mostly local. Did a whole 70.3 block that I think included. Well, if you count the last race he did here in Indian Wells just a handful of weeks ago, like four or five 70.3 events, three, four full Ironmans, was it? Um, so he raced all over the place. Uh, he raced the Collins Cup. Um, and and then, it, it, you know, what what it is best athlete, maybe we could put a little bit more definition or some parameters around that. It's not, hey, just the athlete that we think is the fastest athlete at the end of the year. Like Lionel, hands down, does more for this sport with the entertainment and the value that he brings than probably any other athlete. So um, best athlete for triathlon overall uh, in the long course space, I, I give it to Lionel. Okay. I, I think that's a good choice. I think it's, it's hard. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at his, uh, statistics right now to see exactly how many times he raced this year, um, in long course, but one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 times in long course, just in 2021. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's more than uh, some of the draft legal guys. So yeah. that's, that's yeah, that's impressive. And then on the flip side of that, uh, on the women's, I'd have to give it to, um, Lucy. Yeah. Finally and, world and champion, 70.3 world champion. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I go with the same one and I know there were some athletes that raced maybe a little bit more, but you know, she won 70.3 worlds by so much. Yeah. Eight minutes, I think is what it ended up. Um, and then, you know, I know that we're, we're saying long course, but also the fact that she kind of just raced so many different things was fun too, that she did super league and she raced draft legal and ran a marathon. Um, trying to kind of leave all of that out of the decision, but mm-hmm. you know, she had the second fastest time at Collins cup and she won 70.3 worlds. I mean, that's a, I think she's an easy choice there. Like the biggest disappointment on the long course side is Daniela. I just feel like we didn't see much of her this year. Uh, we saw her, uh, she won 70.3 St. George. Yeah. Well, we didn't really see much. She didn't perform well after that. And I, I know there were some other situations or circumstances surrounding some of those performances, but um, she just wasn't as much a factor. She also won Ironman Tulsa, which was an impressive race because True. there were uh, Tulsa was kind of like the, to me, that almost felt like the 2020 World Championship because so many people went mm-hmm. um, on both sides, the men and the women. And, and she won pretty easily there. But she also, I feel like peak Daniela could have, I mean, I don't want to, you never criticize a win. Right. But I feel like peak Daniela probably would have won that race by a little bit more um, than she did. Yeah. Well, or maybe her season, like 70.3 St. George and then Tulsa was, that was May and June, right? She just peaked early. She had had some races after that and she didn't, didn't perform the way we thought she would. And it's not that we're saying she didn't perform well. It's just maybe our expectations for her are so high. Right. So that's not very fair. Okay, cool. Um, so the next category we put down best race 2021. What did you, what race did you enjoy the most? 
So as a as the uh, the short course guy, this is what you should do differently in 2022 is watch draft legal triathlon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, to me, the, the mixed team relay at the Olympics was really exciting. And, you know, maybe a little bit of U.S. bias watching watching that U.S. team fight for the silver medal and, and get it. You know, I think that was pretty, pretty great. But uh, just getting to see the mixed team relay finally happen in an Olympics, that was really cool to me. Um, they kind of they implemented that at the the junior level right after I aged out. And um, I think they implemented it in college for us right after you graduated. And so yeah, I never don't recall that. I got to do a couple mixed team relays in college and it's just such a fun event. And, you know, it's the closest we've got to, you know, maybe like the four by four on the track or something. And so that was a really exciting race. Um, if I had to pick a long course race, I'd probably go with um, 70.3 St. George. Cause I think that that battle between Lionel and Sam was, was pretty epic. Yeah. So that, that's, that's mine. And not because that Lionel won, but we, like part of me kind of wants to go back to Daytona, but that's that was, the Daytona race was in 2020, but, but it was kind of like the start of 2021 where like it started to feel like, Hey, we're going to have a season next year past COVID. There was a lot of athletes out there. Sam Long kind of had his breakout performance at the end of 2020. Um, so I like kind of put, push that race in my head. That's part of like the 2021 season. That's probably wrong. Um, but okay. So, Hey, if we go by calendar year, I really enjoyed watching Sam Long like have kind of have that battle with Lionel. Yeah. I thought that that was really cool. He didn't end up winning it, uh, but he really performed well throughout the rest of the year. Came back to St. George for the World Championship. Didn't really compete with Gusov, but had a really great race. Despite, I mean, the guy's just not a great swimmer. He's going to continue to work on it, um, but clearly can compete world-class level on the bike and the run. So I think there's a lot to watch, a lot to be excited for. Yeah, for sure. So, um, I don't know, best performances kind of mixes in with, with race. Um, anything new you would kind of like to highlight or award on the best performances tab? I, I think for me, the best performance was Christian's run at the Olympics. Yeah. I know that the, the <laughs> Ironman races are probably what got him more notoriety in triathlon because that's, you know, triathlon is kind of Ironman centric, but that was a really tough Olympic field. And so to see him run away there at the end, uh, that was pretty amazing. And not Jan sub seven. <laughs> when, when's that? That's going to be next year. Or sub right? sub eight. Sorry. Yeah. Now, uh, that's pretty impressive, even though it wasn't a race. Yeah. So low effort. Solo. Yeah. I don't know. Just we'll see when, when one of them goes under eight next year, that'll be the, or under seven next year. That'll be the under seven. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, that, that to me was really good. I think my, my honorable mention for the best performance was probably Kevin McDowell's sixth place finish at the Olympics too. You know, he had cancer 10 years ago and just to see him come back and still be competitive and sixth is the best yeah. American male performance we've had at the Olympics. And to see him do it on the run too, you know, I think growing up, he was more of a swim bike guy and hadn't quite figured out the run yet. And so for him to go to the Olympics and, and finish sixth uh, in the run was pretty impressive. Cool. Good stuff. What about you? All right. Um, yeah, no, for, for me, I think it was just, it was Jan's uh, big best performance was Jan going out there. If you had to, Hey, what, what impressed you the most on one day? 
Uh, and it wasn't sub eight, but sub seven, he did solo. Yes, Lionel was out there and they kind of, ha- I forget even what they called it, but he had that, had the day all planned out, easy course, but was doing it entirely alone. Um, one of these guys, whether it's Jan, Christian, Gustav, they're going to go sub seven eventually, right? Got to believe it at this point. Yeah. And, you know, I actually, I think if I went long course, I would pick Lucy's uh, world championship race. Yeah. Just because she beat a really good field and, and by such a big margin. Yeah, she did. She did. Definitely worth the praise on that front. Um, what surprised you? Biggest surprise of 2021. So it is a surprise, and I think it is and it isn't. Uh, but for me, it's probably Taylor Nib coming onto the scene in 2021. Um, I don't think, I think if you followed triathlon closely or at least the draft legal side again, um, Taylor Nib becoming a star wasn't really a mystery and that wasn't a surprise, but I don't think anyone would have projected that it was 2021. You know, I don't think even USA Triathlon was expecting 2021 to be such a year for her. I mean, she won two of the World Series events and then she finished 16th at the Olympics, which I don't think was quite what she was looking for, but, you know, first Olympics and she's still really young. And then, you know, fastest time at Collins Cup and second in her first 70.3. And she was second or, or third at 70.3 Worlds um, and on a road bike, too. Just wait till she gets on a time trial bike and, mm-hmm. and is uh, really going, you know. But I think that, that she was one of the ones we've kind of been watching, at least in the, in the draft legal world. She was, you know, two-time junior world champion and she won the under-23 world champions as a 20-year-old. And so... She's been on the radar, but I never would have expected her to be this good in, in 2021, probably 2020. How old is she now? Uh, let's see exactly. I want to say she's 23. Yeah, she's 23. Yeah. And that's that's pretty amazing. Two big wins plus the fastest Collins Cup time. That's impressive. Yeah, yeah. Definitely, hopefully, some continued growth for her. I'm just going to look at it like just overall, uh, and hopefully my mindset isn't altered by – omicron and everything that's going on but like my biggest surprise like if you would have asked going into 2021 yes daytona had just happened but like i would never have thought we were going to have a full year of successful racing and for the most part yeah there were some international travel restrictions that altered or made like some of the athletes getting to different races difficult but for the most part we had pretty successful year Kona didn't happen because hawaii is difficult um but pretty much uh, the majority of races went on as expected. And, and I think that that's a major success. Uh, and I'm hopeful that that trend continues right now. Um, it seems a little unlikely, um, but um, everything that at least we've heard so far is Omicron's going to move through really quickly. Uh, and then we're all going to be immune. So hopefully we can have a really successful 2022. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, yeah, fingers crossed on that front. Um, what are you looking forward to in 2022 on the race front? So I'm actually, uh, even though I've been beating the short course drum this whole time, I think I'm looking forward to the long course more in 2022 uh, yeah. just because we've got so many world championships, um, you know, between two <laughs> Ironman world championships and, and another uh, domestic 70.3 worlds. And then you've got the, the two PTO majors that are going to be here in North America I think long course, I'm, I'm really excited to see that. And I'm excited to see what short course athletes decide to race long course in 2022. Yeah. Will there be any other newcomers? I think that would be interesting. 
I'm super excited to see Gustav, Christian, and Jan line up at the same rate. Like they're yeah. gonna line up eventually. Hopefully, it's St. George uh, in May, uh, or it's gonna be Kona in October. We'll see, but hopefully, we get that race, that duel. That's what I'm most looking forward to. Yeah, and I'm I hope definitely not gonna go sub seven in St. George though. Yeah, but but I hope we get to see it twice. It'll just be interesting to see. You know, there's always so much talk about moving Kona and Kona's, you know, if you're, if you're not designed for Kona, it's not fair. I would really like to see all those guys race at these two different venues just to see what happens. If the best guy still wins both or, you know, if it's a drastically different race from one to the next. And so I hope, I hope. Yeah. I mean, the race in St. George or the race in Kona, I mean, would you have a different podium? If I was to pick, yeah, I almost feel like I would be more apt to pick Lionel at St. George than at Kona, but I don't. I still don't think I would put him in the top three. Yeah, I, I think that I don't think that you could. If all three of those people are at the race, Jan, Gustav, and Christian, podiums locked. Gustav wins both. I, I hope I hope we get to find out. I really do. I there, there's a little out. bit of mystery, I think, about whether or not he's actually going to race Ironman next year because he still wants really? to try to win. Yeah, he said an Olympic gold is still the most important thing to him. Man, this so, guy needs to get calls from the right sponsors because I'm pretty sure I would think sponsors are more apt to push Ironman results than they are Olympic results, but maybe yeah. I don't know what I'm talking about. None of them. No, I think so. Yeah. (laughs) 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 But uh, no, I think, uh, I think uh, he's got, he's, he probably wants, I think Gustav's only 24, 25. So he's got another Olympics or two in him. And uh, I don't blame him for trying. I mean, he was eighth. You never know, you know, if he can get a little bit more speed on the run, which is, it sounds weird to say that because he's the fastest runner in long course, but he doesn't appear to quite have the speed to, um, you know, when it went over a 10 K. Yeah. Uh, a lot to look forward to. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it all develops. I hope we get Gustav at the line in, in some of these big races. That'd be awesome. Um, I think that pretty much covers it for this episode. Um, you can yep. find both of our Instagrams in the show notes below. If you're interested in watching subpar YouTube TV, TV on triathlon, make sure to check out my YouTube channel. And if you want one-on-one coaching and want to learn a little bit more about speed and have that all put on your calendar for you, uh, make sure to reach out to Keith or jump onto his website, fortworthtriclub.com. Yeah. Thanks. Right. Well, have a happy new year. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Happy new year.